Dear Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be here to open up your word together. Pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill up our deficiencies and open our hearts to you as we open your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is made up of of a series of moments and they all string together to form an overarching picture. I always like to think of it like a, a medieval tapestry with all these different threads that weave together to form a picture over here that interacts with the picture over here that somebody else's life is doing, the picture over here. And as in any medieval tapestry, we're aware that so many of those threads are boring. They're just boring. You have to have some boring, you have to have a bland background so the letters jump out at you. you there are times in your life where all you're doing is putting on your socks. You're making coffee, you're filling out TPS reports at work, you're doing boring things, right? But there are always going to be these moments that change everything, these days where everything pivots. And sometimes, sometimes they're clear as day. You could see it a mile away. You go, ooh, that's the day when everything changed. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes they seem like they're everyday days. Uh, Somebody introduces a friend to you. You have a conversation around the fire. You have a normal day at work. You're just having breakfast with somebody. You come to worship and you think it's going to be normal. And then it isn't. The key to wisdom is not that you know everything. The key to wisdom is that you understand what you know. So I encourage you to stop and think about How can I be wise about those moments in my life? And to do that, over the next couple of weeks, I want to make sure that we look at a couple of key moments in the life of Peter. Three key days where everything changed. There was a time when somebody introduced a friend to him. There was a time when he had a normal day at work. There was a time he had a conversation around a fire. There was a time he had a conversation over breakfast. There was a time he just went to worship and everything changed. He didn't anticipate that these were going to be days where everything changed. But only God who wove the tapestry knows that part. What we want is the wisdom to to see it when it happens. So I want to give you a crash course on, on the moments where Peter changed from the man he was to the man he ultimately became. Three different episodes, three different moments. And as a mnemonic device... To remember these crucial pivot points, I want you to remember two, three, one. It is not just the area code to Muskegon. Two, three, one. Three specific moments where Peter had his life changed. Today we're going to talk about the two. Next time we'll talk about the three, then we'll talk about the one. Today we're going to talk about the two. And I love Peter. I absolutely love Peter because he almost always meant well. He was trying. He was trying really, really hard. And I always want to give him credit, but he's a doofus. I love Peter, but he's a doofus because he struggled to get out of his own way. This guy who was called The Rock. I got to always, I've said this before, how much of that was a joke? How much of that is, no, he shall be The Rock and I will build whole theologies that you shall build on. How much of that is, you're steadfast. Because he's so not. Peter's all over the place. So it's kind of an in-joke. I mean, if you look at how he's described in the Gospels, he's almost always the first disciple listed in the lists, right? 
Look at what Dr. Luke says in Luke 6. He talks about Simon, whom Jesus named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew. And i got to stop because i got to go back. And I'm like, so his name is Simon Peter, right? That's his name. Yes? No. Whom Jesus called Peter. And it's not even like his Greek name where he does business with the Romans. Saul Paulus. Right? Levi Matthäus. Judas Thaddeus. Not even that, because half the time it's said in Aramaic. He calls him Cephas, which is just the Aramaic way of saying Peter. It's a nickname that Jesus gives him. It's not his name. It's not part of his name. It's something that Jesus called him. Hey, Samuel Johnson. That's his name, Samuel Johnson, right? Samuel Johnson, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you the rock, because you're so solid. But wasn't it Simon who'd been told by his brother Andrew Johnson, not the 17th president, but isn't that his brother's name? It's Andrew Johnson. Anyway, Andrew Johnson came, and Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist, right? And he was a lot more interested in God stuff than his, his brother Peter seemed to be. But Simon had been told by his brother Andrew all about Jesus as the Messiah, before either one had become an official disciple. In John chapter 1, if you wanted to, you could go there, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. But in John chapter 1, verse 35, John the Baptist was with two of his disciples. I don't know who the other one is. We can make arguments, but I don't know. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! And when the two disciples heard him say that, they followed Jesus, at least sort of. At least they like literally followed him on the path. I don't know how much they followed him as disciples, but at least they were following him a bit. And Andrew, Simon the Rock's brother, was one of the two that heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was what? What would you do if you suddenly became aware of who Jesus really was? Not just an interesting fellow, not just the flavor of the day, not just a good rabbi, but if you genuinely thought he's the Lamb of God come to take the sins of the world away. You genuinely think he's the anointed one sent by God. What would you do? You wouldn't keep it to yourself, would you? I, I wouldn't feel comfortable just doing nothing with it, quietly believing it and doing nothing. No, the first thing Andrew does is what you and I would do. He goes and tells someone. I ought to preach a sermon on that. Go and tell somebody. Just scoot. He went and he told his brother. First thing Andrew did was to tell his brother Simon and say, hey, we found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the Savior that God had promised to us for the last couple of centuries. We've been waiting for this. If we've been waiting for centuries, I'm going to make this a priority. So Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon Johnson, aren't you? Isn't that what it says? I'm sorry, Simon, son of John. Simon Johnson. You're Simon Johnson. You're going to be called Cephas. When translated as Peter, which means the rock. First time Jesus met Simon Johnson, calls the fisherman the rock. And that's when Peter began to follow Jesus as a disciple as well. Yes? No, because he's a doofus. He's a doofus. Being the solid rock, Simon the rock Johnson heard about Jesus as this promised Messiah and then went back to business as usual. Went back to his daily work as a fisherman because he's a doofus. That's not fair, is it? Is that fair? Haven't you ever had a 
mountaintop experience. <gasps> that was amazing. Wow, what a wonderful Sunday. Monday, I'm still a little jazzed, but I got to go to work. Tuesday, I have all those TPS reports. And Wednesday, another manager comes to ask me about my TPS reports. And Thursday, another manager comes to ask me about my TPS reports. And Friday, I just, I was going to do, I got such a headache by Friday. And you go, well, the mountaintop experience has just fizzled, hasn't it? He's exactly the same sort of doofus that we are. Because he goes, well, I mean, I've got to go back and be a fisherman, right? I mean, a man's got to eat. It's not like food ever just falls out of the sky. <laughs> okay, it's not like okay, it's not like the the fish are just gonna jump into my. Okay, point is, he's a doofus, because he's been made aware that God is changing everything. The Messiah is finally here, and he expects everything to be the same. Don't you do that? Have you ever in your life been made aware of the fact that this place? is the shadow and that heaven is the reality that's the part that lives forever and heaven coming here living for eternity here that's that's reality this place is the shadow play this place is the muppet show this place is not real it's just the thing that you happen to be able to touch at the moment but this is the temporary thing right and yet, don't we live like this is all there is on a day-to-day basis? Isn't that what we normally do? You live in a world of miracles. But if you're anything like me, you don't live like it. You live like you're in a world of wood that sometimes has some miracles if you pray really hard and you do everything right and you go, no, God is constantly acting, constantly acting. But do you live like that? Do you really live like you believe that a normal guy like me, like Peter, can just walk on water? Raise the dead. Didn't Peter do both of those? But not yet. We haven't haven't got to that point in Peter's life. We haven't even gotten through the two yet, much less the two, three, one bit. But just like Peter, we tend to do business as usual until we get noogied by God. Noogie, noogie, noogie. That's what happened to my hair. But even after that, even when we go, wow, mountaintop experience, we then tend to go back to business as usual. Well, next time we see Peter in Luke chapter 5, he's, he's met Jesus, and he's back at work, which just makes sense. Jesus is the Messiah. That's great and all, but these fish aren't going to catch themselves. Okay, technically they are going to catch themselves. Point is, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee, different names, with, Peter, with people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets, which means they've just finished off fishing at night, which is when they would fish. Go into the shallows with your nets at the night, and you scoop up all the fish. But they're cleaning up their nets, they're getting ready to go home, which means that while everybody was listening to Jesus... These guys were just, you know, doing work as usual. And they include Peter, who had already heard that he's the Messiah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm busy working. And they can listen to him, but I'm busy working. It might be hard to picture that some people 
might not be jazzed about listening to some guy preaching the Word of God. They'd rather do almost anything than stand there listening to, sit there listening to some boring guy drone on. They're like, oh man, I've been working all week. It's my one day to sleep in. I don't want to miss kickoff. I don't know, whatever. You know, there's reasons why they might go, I just would rather not sit there and listen. I've got other things to do. Anyway, so Jesus got into one of the boats. He got into the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat so that the crowds on shore could see him and hear him better. Because Peter knew him, right? We've talked about this before, but an amazing number of people go, wow, it's just the power of Jesus that he walks up to some man he's never even met, says, I want to get into your boat. And Peter says, yes, Lord. And I'm like, he knew him. He'd already met him. Don't read anything into the voice, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get I'm going to get emails. Really, I sound like that, and that's what you made me. You know. But he knew Jesus. He'd already met Jesus. If I were walking downtown and I got into somebody's convertible and said, "Please drive me around," they probably wouldn't if they didn't know me, right? So he knew Jesus. He knew him. He knew that at least Andrew thought he was the Messiah. He had some connection. He had a certain degree of respect. He just didn't have the respect to follow him himself. Oh, he may have even believed. Yep, yep, son of God, Messiah. That's great. That's wonderful. I've got stuff I've got to do. I, 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 I believe-ish. But I don't, I don't follow-ish. Not if following Jesus means I can't do my stuff. If following Jesus means I can do my stuff, sure, whatever. And you go, well, hey, doesn't that mean Jesus is following you? Oh, anyway. When he finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, why don't you put out into the deep water, the worst place to fish at the worst time of day to do it? Yeah, put out into deep water, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've, uh, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I'm not sure you entirely understand how this works. I have to stop there because I, I, I appreciate this. He heard Christ's word, politely called him master, and then is quietly, respectfully suggesting that Jesus is an idiot. Master, you bonehead. It doesn't work like that. I'm reminded years later where Simon the Rock Johnson heard Jesus talking about the cross and about his suffering and about his death and about his resurrection. And what was the Rock's reaction? Years later... Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> you're, you're too stupid. Because I love you. I need to tell you you're stupid. Never, Lord, he said. Master, you're kind of an idiot about the fishing. Lord, you're very wrong here. Lord, this will never happen to you. No, 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 no. Because Peter's a doofus. But it's okay because he just wanted good things. He didn't want bad things, right? It's, it's okay to want good things, isn't it? No! Not if wanting those good things mean I need to ignore what God has specifically told me. Oh, I want good things as much as the next person. I love to pray for good things. But if wanting that good thing means I have to ignore what God has specifically said, I don't want to do that. God's plan is always the smart plan. Hey, I got an idea. I'd rather not have major surgery. 
And the doctor says, if I don't do major surgery right now, your leg will fall off. And I go, but I want good things, so I won't do major surgery. Is that hopeful or is that foolish? And if my leg's going to fall off because of gangrene, that's not the way gangrene works, but it's not only foolish, it could be deadly for me to ignore this thing I don't want to listen to. Peter goes, no, 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 I haven't really thought this through, but clearly you're wrong. Jesus goes, I've really thought this through, and I think you're wrong. Jesus turned and said to the rock, what? He said, get behind me, Satan. Peter, I need a friend, not another adversary. You are not making this easy on me, man. Help me, don't fight against me. And think that you're somehow just being nice. Well, back in Luke 5, hopefully you're still there. Luke 5, when Jesus finished speaking from within the boat, he said to Simon, why don't you put it into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. And Simon said, <laughs> I don't think you understand fishing. Master, sir, smart guy. We've worked all night. We haven't caught anything. I, may I respectfully suggest you're just a little bit of an idiot. Um, maybe carpenters should stick to wood and let the fishermen know how to fish. But, 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 because it's you <laughs> and because you say so, I'll let down the nets. I have some respect for you, though I have no respect for your suggestion. Um, come on, guys, let's waste some, some time for the newbie. He's wizened, which is a fancy word for old and out of it, but smart on some things. You're wizened, fine. Clearly not wise, because you don't know how to fish, but you're wizened. So when they had done so, when they let down the, the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that the both boats are sinking. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, apparently in the middle of a big old stack of smelling fish, and said, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, and now I want to follow you too. Is that not what you're... Bible says. It might be a translation problem. Is that what your Bible says? Because he finally saw things the way Andrew did, the way God did, right? Isn't that what he says? No, the rock says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Which, if you think about it, is him again respectfully telling Jesus what he should do. How many times when Peter opens his mouth is he going, <laughs> Master, you're a doofus. Lord, that'll never happen to you. Lord, here's what you need to do. You need to go away. Hey, here's what I'll do. I'll go make tabernacles for all three of you. You go, Peter, stop and think before you talk for once, please. But I get it. I get where he's saying, what have I been doing? It's a slap in the face with a fish. To go, what have I been doing? What have I been missing? What have I been doing? Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I get it. And yet, he still can't stop being a doofus. He's a doofus for Jesus now. But he's still being a doofus. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished. The word means like, like stunned. They're all like, duh. 
but this catch of fish that they'd taken. And so were James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And I find it interesting that Dr. Luke doesn't list Andrew. Is that because Andrew wasn't still fishing? Is Andrew on shore listening? Or does he mean that Andrew wasn't shocked? I like either one of those. That either Andrew is not in the boat because he's actually become a follower instead of just a fisherman, or Andrew goes, I know, right? Yes! This is what I've been saying. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Stop. Okay, deep breath. From now on, you're going to catch men. Because contrary to what you seem to think, Peter, I know what I'm doing. Simon the Rock Johnson. I know what I'm doing with fish. I know what I'm doing when I'm talking about the cross. I know what I'm doing when I'm talking about storms and waves. I know what I'm doing when I'm talking about these things, and you don't believe me any of those times. You don't trust me in this, but you will. Right now you think like a worldly man, so you are bounded by that. You think this is a world of stone and wood, so that's all you see. And when the waves and the wind get big, you think you should sink, so you do. But you're going to live in a world of miracles where you bring the dead to life and you say, yes, that's the real world. That's where you're going, Peter, because I know what I'm doing and I'm sculpting you. But until you let God change you, you will always think just like a man, which is why it took two callings for Peter, two connections, two taps. Remember I said two, three, one. Today it's two. Peter. Yeah. No, seriously, Peter. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, I'm tracking now. It took two. And then they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything, including the best catch of fish they ever had. Let it rot on the, on, the, on the shore. They didn't take it into the Romans and sell it off. They went, this is exactly what I've always dreamt of and I don't care because I'm in the presence of the Messiah for realsies this time. And they began to trust him. And I say began because it's a process. It's a learning process. Remember this... They still don't necessarily get it. It was Peter later when they're talking about forgiveness that he says, so you should forgive like seven times, right? Because that's godly. Sure. Jesus says, actually, how about how about 70 times? How about seven times 70 times? How about, how about you just forgive until you've forgotten how many times you've forgiven? Whether they deserve your forgiveness or not, it doesn't matter because you're forgiving as I forgave you. How about you just lose track of all that? That's thinking godlike. It was Peter who, when Jesus talked about everyone falling away, he said, <laughs> you're wrong. I'm better than what you think. And I won't do that. It was Peter that broke Christ's heart and kept falling asleep when he said, please don't fall asleep. Peter, I'm sculpting you. My dad taught me to be craftsman. My dad was a craftsman. Trust me, I understand chiseling. And I am chiseling you chip by chip because I understand stone. Be that rock that I'm chiseling. Be what I'm sculpting you to be. 
It took two callings, two connections, two life-changing moments for Peter's life to change, or I should say, for Simon Johnson's life as a fisherman to end, and Simon the Rock as a fisher of men to start. To start living like God sculpted him to live. And I, Jesus says, I didn't call you just to keep doing what you were doing, just to fish for fish. I don't call you to be a casual Christian. I don't call you to be a Sunday morning Christian, to be a Judeo-Christian values kind of Christian. I called you guys to fish for men. I called you to be sold out, born again, life-changed followers of Jesus. Didn't he? Is that what he called called you to be? Not just a Sunday morning Christian, not just a casual Christian, not a spectator, but a sold out, born again, life changed follower of Jesus. Not somebody who just goes back to being a CPA. When you go back to work, you say, I'm going back to work, and that person is gone. That old CPA is gone, and this new one does people's taxes for Jesus. I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but it's you don't have to necessarily be a missionary. You don't necessarily have to be a pastor. Just sit there and go, from this point on, what I do, I want that to be an embassy. I could be a CPA. I could be an engineer. I could be a teacher. I could be a nurse. I could be anything. I could even be a fisherman. But not because I want to catch fish. But because I want to catch men. Everything I do is an embassy for Christ. God doesn't call you to be born again only for you to live the same old life, just slightly polished. He calls you to live a new life in a world of miracles. One that is so rich and different, one that grows you and matures you as a disciple and helps you to disciple others. I know that God has called all of you to one degree or another because y'all sitting here or on your couch and you're listening to me. Is God calling you twice? Is there a, I'm the Lord, and you go, oh, where's God going? No, seriously. Let me get your attention because I want your life to change. Tomorrow cannot be like yesterday. Tomorrow is the next step toward eternity. Live in that miracle. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you that Dufi, like Peter, are people that you dearly love. And I thank you you didn't leave him a doofus. Thank you, Lord, for maturing all of us, for calling all of us, for coming to where we are because we could never reach to you on our own. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for your heart, for your love, for your patience, and your diligence. Work in us what you would have us to be. Sculpt us to be the people you would have us to be, to live like the people you would have us to be. Tap us twice if you need to. In Jesus' name, amen.